morning, everyone. Before we read God's word, let us pray. O Lord, Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love and strength to follow on the path you set before us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Today's scripture reading is taken from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 1, verses 6 to 10. Verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. A very good morning to everybody. Great to see you. It's my honor to be able to bring God's word to you this morning. The pulpit is a very, very precious place for anyone who has the privilege to preach from it. And um, hopefully this morning, uh, we will learn a little bit about the importance of the pulpit and the importance of what what is preached from the pulpit as we look at Paul's uh, letter to the church the churches in Galatia. Um, it's in my series that I've been, it seems like, been going through for years, which is actually true. I have been going through it for years. Um, it's on the uh, hallmarks of a healthy church. And what the argument or the case I want to put to you this morning is that a healthy church is faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there can be no compromise on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul has laid out uh, the importance of what he is saying to the Galatians in chapter 2. And he spells clearly that his uh, key message in the book of Galatians, which is the gospel, is by grace through faith and not by any additions or works that the false teachers who had crept into the church we're bringing to them. There is nothing you can add to the gospel. Adding to the gospel, taking away from the gospel, changing the gospel is a very serious matter in the eyes of the Apostle Paul and obviously in the eyes of our sovereign God. And we see that from Galatians 2, chapter 16. Um, we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. That was the issue that was going on. Though what I want to try and present to you this morning is that actually it's not just the law and obedience to the law that is a gospel issue and we'll look at some examples of that this morning um, but uh, the works of law no one will be justified so we have also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith and salvation by grace alone through faith alone is absolutely essential Paul is hugely concerned with what's going on in this uh, part of the New Testament church. Um, He is really concerned about their faithfulness 
to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the question I want to ask this morning, I guess, in starting off is, um, do we have these sorts of issues in the church today? Do we have these sorts of issues? I mean, I mean, surely, surely, salvation by grace alone through faith alone, faith alone was all dealt with at the Protestant Reformation. Surely that was put to bed hundreds of years ago. Surely, surely we don't have gospel issues in the church today. Um, I, I think we do, and I think we're seeing some examples of it. Um, distortion of the gospel, which the gospel is the good news of what God did by his sovereign work on the cross, um, where Jesus Christ, his son, our Lord, atoned for the sins of his elect people to free us from the bondage of sin. Distortion of that, and we see that in verse 4 uh, of, of chapter 1, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. Um, distortion of this gospel comes in many different forms. These are not an exhaustive list of them, but we have a works-based gospel still prevalent today. The issue in these uh, churches is where traditions, sacraments, covenantal signs even, ways of doing things, in of themselves not necessarily wrong, become the means to achieve God's grace. They become essential for salvation. And the Church of Rome is a prime example of that. We have the uh, prosperity gospel. A gospel where the outcome of salvation, the outcome of it, the, the means to it, the, the end of salvation is a means to health and wealth. And what's even more sickening about the prosperity gospel, which is a gospel issue, is that it changes the whole concept of sin. Because if you don't achieve these things, there are prosperity gospel teachers who will say, that's because you have unrepentant sin or lack of faith. It changes the gospel. It makes the gospel a means to uh, fulfillment in this life through human standards of success. We have the social gospel. In of itself, being, being uh, focused on the needs of our fellow citizens is not wrong. But when the gospel becomes um, changing the culture, not dealing with sin, and changing inequality, and perceived inequalities, and being focused on righting the wrongs of society, the gospel can be changed, and the nature of sin can be undermined. And of course, we have the liberal universal gospel, love is love. Love is love. God loves us all. This God will not put, send people to hell because they are same-sex attracted and in a relationship with someone. That, that's a secondary issue. These things distort the gospel. And they are false gospels. And Paul has a lot to say in our very short uh, passage this morning about those things. But the thing about these things is, these, these issues that come in, is that they come in over a period of time. They come, it's almost like, for those of you who have been around the church as long as I have, 
And there are some of you who have, and there's many of you who haven't. But 51 years I've been in the church, and I've seen a gradual, gradual erosion. Gradual. It, this, this, this teaching doesn't come in with a preacher wearing a t-shirt that says, I'm preaching a false gospel. This comes in gradually. These things come in subtly and sometimes by underhand ways. So our text this morning, I think, is something we should all think through and we should all be aware of. It's not just the responsibility of the elders of a church to guard the pulpit. It's the responsibility of us all in the church of Jesus Christ. Because that's who Paul is writing to, the church. So to our text today, uh, Paul is, is, as I've said, he's, he's writing false teaching that was coming in, which was saying that you need to observe the law as part of uh, your Christian faith. That's all mapped out in Galatians 3, 4, very clear. It's serious error. Justification, and, and this is the context of the letter day, justification by faith is really, really important. We cannot play with justification. Why? Because Paul says this in uh, Galatians 5, 1 to 2. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So the, the whole false teaching was going to take the Galatian church, back into that slavery. And it's got that picture, hasn't it, of, of, the, of the, the Old Testament Israelites who go into the, the desert and they're, they're saying, oh, let's go back, let's go back, let's go back to where we were. And, and then look at the importance the Apostle Paul puts on his message. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, if you accept what these false teachers are saying, the work of Jesus Christ will be of no advantage to you because the gospel that is being preached is changing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So verse 6, Paul is absolutely shocked Astonished. The Greek word means he's, he's flabbergasted. He's, he's, it's like this is beyond belief. In England, we'd say that beggar's belief. You might say it here as well, but that's a good old English saying. This beggar's belief, this is, this, is, this is just so outlandish to even imagine. That you are so quickly deserting, quickly and readily, deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. The word deserting there means, in the Greek, changing allegiances. It's almost a military term. You've gone from one side of a battle to the other. You've, 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 you've moved across. This, these, are, these are not minor doctrinal issues that are being dealt with. Should we baptize babies or not? Should we do this? Should we do that or not? These are not, my, not saying they're minor in of themselves, but these... They're not salvific issues. This was a salvific issue. But they're not gone yet, by the way. And that's why Paul is appealing to them 
as fellow believers because the, the word deserting is in the present tense which means it's, it's ongoing, it's happening now. Paul is intervening now. He's not waiting till it's too late to say, oh, you know, he's, he's dealing with it at the point where it is becoming prevalent. There's a lesson for us in the church. Had some of these issues been dealt with when they should have been years ago, instead of being allowed to fester and just be, let's pretend this is not happening. Let's pretend this teaching it's, it's, it's not that much. It's not that bad. It can be controlled. If it's allowed to fester, it's dangerous. So that's why Paul is intervening now. And he's using very, very strong language. And are turning to a different gospel. It's ironic he calls it a gospel, but it's actually not a gospel. But the, the point of that six to seven is that he's he's comparing them he, he's saying you think it's a gospel you think this is good news but it's it's actually not there can only be one gospel and that was a great song that sweet Teng took us through this morning reminding us that there is only one gospel that we should be faithful to and it ain't the gospel of the judaizers in the context here or the gospel of the prosperity people or the gospel of the church of rome or of the liberal church. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot play loose and fast with that. And these, these people in the church in Galatia, which is a number of churches, it's not just one church, it was a number of churches in a region, seemingly are in droves, attracted, attracted. We learn in chapter 3, verse 1, that they were being bewitched, seduced, they were, it's got this picture of they're being, they're being led gradually and, and forcibly, but they're, they're, there's no, but they find it appealing. That should cause us concern. If something is appealing, we need to check whether it's actually appealing to our Christ-like nature or our sinful nature. And we can think of how appealing the prosperity gospel is. Who doesn't want more money? That's a rhetorical. You don't have to put your hands up. Who doesn't want to be healthy? So we, we, we need to be very careful. And it's not just the pulpit. It's who we align ourselves with. It's who we support as a church. Who do we trust? Who do we identify as the future leaders of the church? What gospel are they immersed in? Is it the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or it is a gospel of liberalism, a gospel of prosperity, a gospel of works? And this different gospel needs to be identified. We need to be looking out for it. That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, I'm astonished. I cannot believe this is happening. This shouldn't be happening. And what is the gospel? Well, we could do a whole half an hour on what the gospel is. And this is, again, not, not all inclusive. But the nature of sin. Note today in some of the gospels being peddled in the visible church, sin is changed. The definition of sin is changed. That which was sin 
there is no longer sin today. The purpose of Jesus Christ. What was his purpose? To redeem from sin and to atone. And there are those in the church who call that cosmic child abuse. And they have huge followings. Who are these people? The Reverend Steve Chalk is one, for example. Very popular in the 80s when I, when I was a lad, when I was a bit younger than I am now. Huge followings. The word of God is infallible and true. There are people in the church today who are, who are who, and, and a few of us some time back in London went to a, a, an Anglican church to hear a doctor of theology who was an ordained clergyman say, actually, you, the bits of the Bible you don't have to believe in. The work of Christ on the cross. All these things, if they are compromised by teaching, they are gospel issues. Anything that pushes a different gospel is no gospel at all. And in line with chapter 3, verse 1, and I, I'm not being irreverent when I change the text, but I think we can change the, change the question. Are we in danger in the church in 2022 of saying, oh foolish reformed evangelicals, who has bewitched you? The Lambeth Conference, our Anglican brothers and sisters, all the bishops now meeting in London, in Lambeth Palace, and yet the divisions one day into it, clergy marching there for inclusion of same-sex marriage in the church. But that's not an issue, is it? Same-sex marriage isn't an issue, is it? I mean, it's not that bad. Let those who want to, 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 to practice that and, and bless that in that church over there, as long as they're preaching the gospel, as long as they're following the prayer book, that's okay. No, not if you read Ephesians 5 and you see that the picture of marriage is a picture of the gospel. It's the picture of Christ's relationship with his church. You cannot change the gospel. And, but these people will say they're preaching the gospel. But you change the gospel, you change the covenant of marriage, you change marriage to be between a man and a man, a woman and a woman, or, or actually you say you can live as if you are married, but you don't have to be covenantly joined. That's okay. Just live together. Marriage doesn't, doesn't matter. You change that, you change the gospel. You promote that, you promote a false gospel. What's interesting, and again, we, we see this in our text this morning, is that they are doing it because they want to distort the gospel of Christ. You see, verse 7 in our text, not that there is another gospel, there isn't one, but there are some who trouble you. And what we see here is the intention of the false teachers and the implications if this, uh, this, this gospel takes hold. The word trouble there in the Greek, these people were emotionally and seriously emotionally challenged as a result of it. They were, they were troubled. 
You see, because a false gospel brings trouble, brings spiritual confusion to a church. It undermines the truth of the Bible. And those who peddle these false gospels, you might think, well, yeah, but they're, they're sincerely preaching this. They're not out to deliberately undermine the gospel. That makes no difference in reality. Anyone who preaches a false gospel, it's because that's the gospel they believe in. And if they believe in that gospel, the question has to be asked, should they be in the pulpit? Should they be leaders in the church? Should we be following them? They're either trying to deliberately, and there are, destroy the gospel of Jesus Christ, or they are not saved because the gospel they are so passionately advocating for is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Either way, they should not be followed. These are strong words, but they are a warning to the church of faithfulness to the gospel, faithfulness to God, and picking the, the marriage analogy, remember God will remove those who are not faithful to him, as we saw with Old Testament Israel. Verse 8. See, the, the, the standards that Paul is expecting here, he even applies to himself. But even if, and this is hyperbole, but even if, we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. Let him be accursed. Even if that happens, don't be seduced by names because they're a famous name. They've got a good reformed evangelical heritage. No, they're, they're safe. No, we, we ought to have as a church critical thinking, critique everything that comes from the pulpit. Everything critique it don't be seduced or bewitched by a false gospel but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to one we have preached to you let him be accursed that's a very very strong word there the word in the Greek the, the word accursed the pulpit must be protected and only filled with men who are faithful to the gospel. And this, the fate of those, we leave that in the hands of God. That's what the, the word accursed means. It means they are devoted to destruction. They are under the wrath of God. God will deal with them and never, as the word tells us, fall into the hands of an angry God. That's not a place you want to be. The fate of those who peddle a false gospel in this case, it's the Judaizers, is under the wrath of God. They are devoted to destruction. Their fate is guaranteed, their punishment is in the hands of God. Though God, as we have seen, can restore in his sovereign will and can redeem those people in accordance with his will. But the gospel needs to be purely preached in the church. A false teacher in the pulpit, a false teacher with influence, 
is a faithfulness, is a, a danger to faithfulness. It draws people away from truth to something diametrically opposed. That's when Paul says it's another gospel, a different. The word different means it's diametrically opposed. Anyone who preaches a false gospel takes people to a gospel that is not just, well, you know, it's a minor issue. It's a gospel. It's a word. It's a theology which is diametrically opposed to God's gospel through Jesus Christ. We must have the Apostle Paul's warning in our ears as we decide who to partnership with the gospel ministry. Who to support financially, spiritually, in prayer. Who to ordain and push into leadership. Verse 9. Paul moves from the hypothetical, which is the, you know, even if, to actually dealing with their present circumstances. As we have said before, and so I say again, making this point being very clear, this is not a new message. You, you've had enough to be given already to be aware of this. You've had the gospel presented to you. If anyone is preaching to your gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Don't follow them. And leave them to God. Pray for them. Yes, we are called to pray. But don't treat them as fellow Christians. Oh, wow. That's strong language. That's the language of the Bible. Now, obviously, we are dealing with here gospel issues. Things that are absolutely essential for gospel truth. There are things which are important in the church where we can legitimately, sincerely, and with good conscience disagree on. I believe, and this is a joke, so please don't anyone take offense. I believe Baptists go to heaven. Honestly, that's a joke. But you see the point I'm making here. There are people historically who have made baptism a matter of salvation. You go back into church history, people were killed over their doctrine of baptism. As long as baptism, we don't believe in baptismal, baptismal regeneration or that baptism is an essential aspect to be saved, we can legitimately disagree whether we baptize babies or we don't. That's okay. Same with, are you a Calvinist or not? There are some people who believe in such a high Calvinism that if you're not a Calvinist, you're not saved. I'm a Calvinist and I don't believe that. I believe that we, as long as it is clear that all have sinned, all need Jesus Christ, and salvation is the work of God, the intricacies of how God does that, we can have some very healthy debates on. But we don't divide over that. Are you a literal six-day creationist? Or are you a long-earth creationist. All these things, hugely important, but not issues of salvation. But note, and with this I draw to a close, 
Paul's saying there, for I am now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, Paul could have quite easily just gone along with this new wave of teaching. But he's not seeking to please man. Are we seeking to please man in the church? Not offend. Has the church become a place where there can be no offense? That the gospel takes secondary consideration to the danger of offending someone and say, actually, I think you are well out of line with what you preached this morning. See, Paul is focused on the gospel. He's focused on his calling. And we do well to remember that we have the teaching that the Apostle Paul gave in the New Testament and the other apostles as well and the prophets and all of the historic Bible. We, we, have, we have the faith laid out to us in the Word of God. And we have access to that. So when Paul says, you know, I've told you this before. We too, we, we know this message. We have God's word. We can go to God's word. We can judge everything that we hear by God's word. There are things that are wisdom issues. There are things that are secondary issues. But the gospel cannot be more clearly laid out than it is in the pages of Holy Scripture. And we do well to be faithful to that. Not to be seduced and bewitched by clever presentations, pyrotechnics, things that attract us like wealth and health and stuff like that. Things that make us feel very pious, like the more I do this, the more saved I am. We do well remember that the Apostle Paul and all of the other apostles in the Word of God teaches us that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, through the person and work of Jesus Christ, through the sovereign work of God, and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Doctrine, uh, salvation is Trinitarian, and it is God's work. And we are called to acknowledge that and repent it, repent uh, of our sin, and to live in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So to close with, um, how faithful are we to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Both in our congregation here, in our home lives. You see, because it's not just a message to the church, it's a message to the individuals in the church. How faithful are you to the gospel of Jesus Christ? How faithful are you? Are you in danger of being bewitched or seduced by a gospel that is no gospel at all. And maybe not even aware of it. But something's troubling you about it. You see, a false gospel, if we are well taught in the gospel, a false gospel brings trouble, brings discomfort, brings disunity. And it will eventually split churches. Gospel faithfulness is essential. How faithful are you individually to the gospel? How faithful are we here at TGCC to the gospel? 
We may not agree on everything about every point of doctrine. That's okay. That's okay. But do we agree on the gospel? Are we unified in the need for the true gospel to be what we represent when we go to work and when we meet as a congregation and who we support and pray for and who we partner with? It's a challenge for us this morning. It's a challenge that was really important to the Apostle Paul. And a healthy church is faithful to the gospel. And on the gospel, there can be no surrender. We cannot surrender the gospel. Let's reflect on that um, as we go into the week ahead. Let's reflect on how faithful we are to God's gospel. It might be we're not even quite sure what gospel essentials are. I'm quite sure Pastor Joseph would happily talk to anyone who wants to talk through these things. You might be sitting there thinking, I, I thought I followed the gospel. I, I genuinely thought, and, and actually I'm now not so sure. We need to know the gospel. Every Christian needs to know the gospel and live by it. I pray that as we go into the week ahead, the gospel of Jesus Christ will be on all our hearts and all our minds and that we will live and conduct ourselves in accordance with it. May God bless his word to us all. Let me pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your gospel. We thank you that you have given us your gospel in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We pray that as we go into the week ahead, we will live in accordance with your gospel, we will serve you, and we will know how to uh, faithfully represent your gospel to others. Help us by your word to understand you more, and help us by your Holy Spirit to trust you more. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.